Welcome back to the Valley to Peak Nutrition Podcast. This week is uh, something very exciting. And so to give you a little background, I was stopped at the Hunt Expo in Salt Lake City early in February um, over by the Ivory Holster booth. And it was actually a friend of Gabriel who owns Ivory Holsters who had stopped me and we were sitting there chatting with him because we're friends with uh, friends with Gabriel. And he asked me a great question. He just said, you know, basically, you make this sound like it's so simple. I don't see it that way. What am I missing? So I gave him an answer then and reached out whenever we got home. And I said, hey, you know, there's a lot of people that feel that way. And if I'm complicating the message, number one, I should know that. Number two, I would be really curious for you just to dive in and describe a little bit more about what's confusing to you. Where am I missing the mark on on clear, making clarity for that message? And let's let's do a podcast because it's probably going to help other people. And so what you're going to listen to is a result of that. And what's most interesting and unique about it is what ended up happening was we recorded the initial podcast. I had planned to launch it the next week. I got busy. Here we are almost 10 weeks later. In that time, Ken, who's our guest, had went on and tackled and applied everything we talk about in the podcast that you're about to hear. At three weeks, he had lost 10 pounds and even more now. And so I had him back on just this past week because I said, hey, man, like I didn't plan for it to be like this, but I would love for you to jump on and really describe to folks the light bulb that went on in your head and really made you start applying this stuff. And then from a practical standpoint, what's some information you would give them that they can go apply to do the same things? So we're getting close to May. Everybody's starting to think about getting outside. And generally that means kind of coming out of hibernation and preparing to go hit the hills or be outside and be active, or maybe you're not doing any of that. You live in the Midwest, but you're prepping for a, um, you know, a, a marathon or something like that, or just to, just to be more active with your kids. I think that this episode, or I hope that this episode will help simplify the nutrition end of things for you and um, just walk away with a lot of really practical tips that Ken gives. So please take a listen. Don't, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me. If you have any questions, I would be more than glad to help. Ken said you could reach out to him too. We will be back again here in a couple of weeks. We've got a couple episodes from Uphill Athlete. We have a gentleman named uh, Mike on who is tackling 2,023 miles in 2023. So we're going to hear from him and some of the things that he's planning to take on more Q&A. So a lot of great things still coming through the podcast this year. But without further ado, here is Ken and I's conversation that started in Salt Lake City where he said, you make it sound so easy, but it's not. What am I missing? Ken and like, we didn't know each other prior to Hunt Expo, right? Correct. Never really met. We like talked a little bit on um, Instagram and you're a friend of Gabriel who owns Ivory Holsters and Gabe, Gabriel's been so great to us and participating in our giveaways and just me personally that when we went to the expo, he was one of the people I really wanted to say hi to and, and you were at you were at the booth and you were gracious and said hello and as well as his wife, Melissa, I think's her name, right? Yes. And then you asked me a great question. You were like, hey man, I have, um, I have a good question. And there has been a handful of times over the years since I started doing Valley to Peak where I've talked with someone in public or in person and thought, man, I just really wish I would have secretly recorded that, which is moderately creepy, so I've never done it. But the question you asked, um, I, I, was, I was at home a couple of days later and I thought, I sh- we should just 
have you ask that question again because I thought it was so good. My question was super simple and I wanted to know how weight loss is easy. Actually, I should preface, I did say easy, but to quote you, how is it simple? So when we were there, I wasn't really certain what you meant because I'm not very smart at many things. Nutrition's about like I'm a one trick pony. It's about the only thing I know. So when someone asks me um, a really good, broad question on nutrition, my mind goes a million different places. And so I, it was kind of like, well, what do you, you know, what do you mean? And you went on appropriately to say, like, whenever you post stories on Instagram, you make it sound so simple, but it's, it's not that simple. And, you know, I think maybe not, but I think that there's might be some people that would get offended by that because you sort of said, you know, you make it sound like, like it should be this obvious thing, but it's not really clear to me. And so I thought, well, geez, I, I should hear this. <laughs> if it's not clear, I need to clarify something. So you went on to elaborate and you said, how is it so simple? And the answer that I gave you, did you feel like it was helpful or no? It was. Yeah. Your answer, calories in has to be less than calories out, which is simple. And I, I should like it. And so I should ask you, what were the messages that you had heard prior to me saying this on Instagram stories and prior to really following uh, Valley to Peak? This isn't like an infomercial for Valley to Peak. It's just really leading into questions you've had that hopefully will be helpful to anybody that's listening. What was your understanding of like what needs to be true to see weight actually move? I would say the it just gets complicated where you ask a question about eating a certain thing at a certain time, and then you can get into all sorts of technical answers of, you know, this eating this now will cause this to happen, which chain reacts to this, then you're causing your body to do something else. So while the answer of, you know, it is simple on a broad scale, it's just overwhelming and intimidating to think about all of the the little things that are actually happening in your body as you're trying to lose weight or when and where, what you're eating and how that changes. So there were like these list of rules you should follow that had to do with timing or intake or certain things you could eat or you couldn't eat, et cetera. Yeah. In that respect, how is it still then simple with having to follow so many, not necessarily having to follow, but knowing that there are so many different variables out there. And that was what sort of led into my question is, I think that in my experience and talking with people over the years is the message, like the message that I always give, which is the calorie in versus calorie out thing is so simple that people think they're missing something, right? Like it's, it, they, you know, they hear that and they think, well, surely there's got to be something more beyond that. And it, there's truly not. And so it begs the question, even for people who maybe have tried to do that, right? Like track their intake compared to their output. Why didn't they see anything happen? You know, like wh why didn't that work or why hasn't that worked in the past? And almost always, almost always 99, I'm not going to say 99, almost a hundred percent of the time there was an error in they're tracking, right? Like, so I shouldn't even say that there was an error in what they perceived as coming in or, or somewhere along the line. So it could be that the target that they were given in the beginning, uh, like, uh, let's, can, can we just use you as an example? Sure. 
Okay. So let's say that you jumped on a website, you plugged in your height, you plugged in your weight, you plugged in your age, it gave you a number. It could be the number was wrong. So you did your due diligence, you tried to follow that number. It was either too high, so you never saw any saw any progress. It was either or it could have been too low, which led to periods of really great um uh, really great consistency and following it, but then moments of derailing because it was so deep that you were hungry all of the time. It could be because your method of tracking was wrong. It could be that you didn't measure what was actually coming in. It could be that you killed it during the week, but as a reward for killing it, you sent it on the weekend, right? Like a cheat meal, quote unquote, cheat meal. So almost always there's something if someone has tried that and the weight hasn't moved either up, down, or stayed the same, it's almost always tied to there's something wrong with the intake piece of the equation. When you start detailing down all of the other rules, like you were talking about, timing, don't eat after 7 p.m., everything turns to fat, or uh, you should or you shouldn't eat breakfast, you should or you shouldn't fast, you should fast for this long, you shouldn't eat this food, you should eat this food really none of those things are even remotely close to relevant. Why those things work and why people have said, hey, I did this, this, and this. I followed X, Y, and Z rule and saw great progress with it. it. was because at the end of the day, whatever approach that was, they did consistently and it somehow brought them down below their calorie need. So they lost weight. And what's important to know about that conversation is if let's say, let's say that a guy weighed 250 pounds and he wanted to weigh or his healthy weight was, let's just, let's just say he weighed 300 pounds and his healthy weight was 250. Even if, even if that's above what a doctor would want, it was healthier for him, right? 50, 50 pounds loss. His body has essentially been sending him cues to stay at 300. So if he does, let's say that it, he had to eat 3,500 calories per day to remain at a body weight of 300 pounds. If he implements some kind of rule that takes him down to 3,100 calories per day, he will lose weight, even if 3,100 calories is more than he theoretically needs, right? So the rules work because it allow people, it allows people a really simple thing to go follow and be consistent on and it naturally puts them at a lower intake than where they used to be even if that intake isn't ideal even if it's above ideal still so it goes back to your question of why do you make it sound so simple because it 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 is in the sense if you know what that number is and you are accurate in estimating what's coming in how that comes in, in other words, what food you eat that comprises those, we'll use the same example, those 3,100 calories really doesn't matter from a weight standpoint. Is there value in eating certain foods in terms of feeling fuller longer? Yes. Does some food have more vitamins and minerals for long-term health? Yes. Will some food be helpful in preventing chronic disease or reducing the chance of, of cancer. Yes, there are some foods that are better at doing those things. But when you look only at weight, the calorie intake, regardless of where it comes from, is what matters. And so whenever you, you say like, well, how do you make it? What makes you feel like it's so simple? Because if you track 
and you're accurate because you're actually measuring portions for a period of time, truly that's all that matters. I mean, that's it. So if it's just like a financial budget, if you've got a thousand dollars in the bank and you go on vacation, you don't outspend that. It sure makes sense to me that you're not going to come back in the red, right? Whether you spend all 1000 or all or only $400 is six to one. But as long as you don't overspend, there's not going to be a debt there. And the same is true of intake. Okay. Does that make better sense? It does. Um, so then where is a good place to learn how many calories I need with a follow-up question of what is a fair, is it proportional or is it kind of a, just a set number below that will help, uh, help me lose weight? That's a good question. You ask me, <laughs> right? So I will say this. So one, we did a we did a separate podcast on this that I'll link um, in the show notes, and it explains more about that. There are a number of different ways that you can go about figuring this out. All of them, uh, you know, they they span from being extremely complicated and extremely expensive, but extremely accurate, to extremely general. And no cost at all if you're listening to this. Now, the the quote-unquote risk of leaning towards the general approach is it's general, right? I mean, we could have, like, let's say that you were six feet tall, 250 pounds, 38 years old. We could have 10 of you line up in a row in front of us, all weighing the same, all the same age, all the same height. And you all would require different amounts of calories. There would be a variance there simply because of genetic makeup, right? So that's the problem, just giving a general target. And, you know, honestly, again, not a promotion of us, but that's where nutrition coaching or whatever you want to call us comes into play is it gives us the ability to check in with you and see what what is happening when you aim for that. What do we need to adjust up, down, indifferent, or another? So... On the expensive side, we hook you up to a machine in a hospital and compare your your oxygen compared to how much um, carbon dioxide you expel and it exchanges gas and it gives you a number. We're, we're obviously not doing that. On a more general side of things, you could aim for between 10 and 13 calories per pound of body weight for weight loss, 14 to 16 calories per pound of body weight for weight maintenance, and then 16 plus if you're trying to increase your weight and or your training volumes go up and you need more calories for you know endurance training or something along those lines and again it's a really really general approach what's also important to know and 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 sort of loops into the question that you'd asked a second ago is from my understanding you're saying Okay, well, how many do I need? And then once you give me that, how how far below that do I need to be to see the weight move? Is that right? Yeah. And then I guess if an add-on would be, like you mentioned earlier, how much is too much? Where either I am starving myself and I binge eat or um, my body does something reactive to having too few of calories. So if you're good with it, what's your height, weight, and age? That's a, uh, you almost nailed it before. I'm 6'1", 250, 45. All right. So as I plug this in, 
And I've got a little bit of a longer form than just doing the random estimator. It gives me a series of numbers. It gives me how many calories you would need to maintain that weight if you laid in bed all day versus if you walked around versus if you were just slightly active and then if you were highly active. So there's four different measurements, right? What I would tell you to do is to simply aim for that number if you were to lay in bed all day right? Because we are assuming you don't lay in bed all day. And so even if you don't have a vigorous workout program, you target that number and you're up just doing your normal day-to-day chores, it's going to be a deficit to some degree, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right? So that number for you would be somewhere in the neighborhood of around 2,300. If we used that earlier calculation of multiples by 10 pounds per body weight for weight loss, you'd be at 2,500. So you can see the discrepancy there, right? Mm-hmm. And that that is what makes it challenging to jump on a podcast and just say like, okay, everybody, you should aim for this if you weigh this much. So, you know, my suggestion to you would be to aim for somewhere in that and then monitor what type of progress you see and then adjust if you need to. Because the risk of, you know, like people will say like, people might hear that and say, okay, well, if, if his target should be 2300, boy, imagine what would happen if he ate 13. He would get to his goal really quick and then he could move on with his life. That's not necessarily true because the greater the, the a couple of the greatest risks to going too low too fast are one, it's a much higher probability that your weight will rebound when you come out of a deficit because you can't live in a deficit forever. Number two, it's a very high likelihood that you'll plateau quicker than if you were to just follow the structure of the plan, which will then make further weight loss, not impossible, but hard. And then number three, it's likely that your hunger hormone will be so high that it'll be really difficult to manage for for a long period of time. And so what ends up happening there is you wind up in this hunger binge resist cycle where you're starving. So you binge on something oh no, shouldn't have done that. You restrict again, going back to the low intake. You're starving again, you binge, you restrict, right? So it's just this cycle that repeats itself. And so you get people who, like me, for 20 some odd years, you constantly are dieting and stopping, dieting and stopping, dieting and stopping. And a lot of that has to do with a very, very unrealistic calorie target from the start. And that's one of the, you know, those are probably in my mind, just thinking off the top of my head, the three greatest risks to going too low too quick versus just being extremely patient, following the structure, and then you know coming out of a deficit whenever the time comes that you reach a goal. Makes sense. So if you don't mind, will you explain what your program is? And I think the question would be more the difference between just dietitian versus like a fitness program versus a diet program. And I guess how much overlap do you guys have or is there? Yeah, it's a good question. So obviously everybody's going to be different. So we would have to have somebody with a fitness program, jump on and compare and contrast. But the fact, you know, there's a couple of fitness programs that I consult with and the greatest difference is the, the aim, right? The focus. So in other words, The fitness programs have a very structured process that they walk people through to improve performance, whereas we have a very structured process 
to walk people through for whatever their goal is with nutrition. That could be weight loss, that could be weight maintenance, that could be performance driven, right? There's some sort of a, you know, there's like a lot of times what we've had people lately interested in is doing some sort of a 50K endurance race or 100 mile endurance race coming up this summer. And so they're simultaneously training for that while wanting to run it. And obviously that comes with an entirely different fueling strategy than waking up and eating breakfast or not eating breakfast. So in, in, you know, in my mind, if a person wants to, if a person's predominant goal is weight loss, I think you'd be hard pressed to tell them not to follow the nutrition plan instead of the training one, if their only desire is to lose weight. If they have a higher propensity or a higher goal or a higher, um, if the greater desire that they've got is they want to do some sort of an event or some sort of an endurance based something or another, and they do not have a good training plan, they need that because you will only make it so far before you really need some specificity within the training to carry you and train well for something that's endurance based. If they do have a training plan, their training is only going to carry them as far as their fueling. So they would want to lean more into a nutrition strategy at that point. Our, you know, Valley to Peak is built around three phases, an audit phase, a goal phase, and a maintenance phase. And so each of those are basically defined by just what they sound like. You got an audit phase. I want to know really what are you doing right now so we can build a plan around that rather than just giving you a plan. You know, the dietitian thing of the day used to be, okay, you write a meal plan for someone, give it to them, send them on their way. They have success. Case okay, sayonara, see you later. The problem was is that everyone would go back to their life never realizing or knowing how to adjust their nutrition. So we started building things around what's your life look like now and let's build a plan around you rather than trying to just give you a plan and, and tell you good luck then the goal phase is obvious right it's going to be heavily dependent upon what the person's goal is between you know weight loss and performance or maintenance or trying to increase weight or increase in performance or whatever so we have a, a week by week check-in where we're moving towards whatever that goal is and then the transition phase into the third round into the third phase which is maintenance this is a depth this is most relevant for people who are trying to lose weight and or trying to lose weight while improving their performance and this goes back to the comment that i made earlier with you is you can't live in a deficit right like so let's say that your calorie goal was 13. that is that is such a significant deficit and would suppress a lot of pretty key hormones that you can't live there. You have to come out of it. And there's a structure to follow to come out of that deficit that allows you to manage what it was that you've accomplished in the goal phase much easier. Because the, the common assumption is, well, if I needed 1300 calories to get here, I must just be, I must know how to just live here, right? I must have to live here at 1300 to maintain it. And that's, that's not necessarily true. So that's what the, um, kind of the, 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 the stepwise process of the program looks like. And, you know, as far as whether a person should go more towards a quote unquote fitness program or a nutrition program is pro is largely going to be driven a, by their ultimate goal and then B their current resources. So if they have a training program, 
but they cannot complete it because they don't understand nutrition, that would be the point where you'd want to lean into a nutrition program, not a new training one. You mentioned the deficit um, that's required. On what kind of scale, time scale is that working? Obviously, to give an analogy, like reptiles, they have a snake that eats something and they, they're good for a month. Um, how many, we base our calories daily, but is there a longer term where humans are more based on a week or two weeks? You know, like I mentioned, the binge yeah. at, after a week reward, like I did great this week. So I binge too much. How much does that hurt me on a weekly scale, two week scale? It'll mean the difference between progress and none. I would say one of the greatest errors that I see is people rewarding themselves on the weekend for doing well during the week. And that looks like just, just eating whatever they want. Right. And so the problem is, and I I should preface this too, by saying it's going to depend on the degree of like, let's just stick with the weight loss theme. It's going to depend on the degree of weight that a person's got to lose. If you take, if you take a person like, like me, for example, I had 140 pounds to lose if I changed anything, my weight would have moved, right? I mean, if I did anything different, then I was there was a huge margin for error. But as, as you lose weight, your body becomes more economical. It becomes much more efficient operating at a lower intake. So the margin for error is very, very small the closer you get to the goal weight. And so one of the greatest errors that I see people make when they've got, you know, like, let's call it 20 pounds or less to lose is the weekend is full send and the week is fully controlled. The problem is, and this is the answer to your question, you're really looking at net averages over a 30 day period, right? So yes, your daily choices comprise your week and your weekly choices comprise your month. But if your monthly or weekly average is over the estimated need, it may not be enough to cause you to put weight on, but it would be enough that prevents you from seeing any progress from happening, right? And that is incredibly important to remember because like I said, it's one of the most common errors that I think that I see people make is the weekly cheat meal and they'll get stuck, right? I mean, they'll, they'll have one weekly cheat meal and the weight will not move. And the, the greatest problem with this is that it's mentally exhausting because you feel like you're spending all week working so hard and you're so excited about seeing what the progress is. You get on there and it doesn't move. And that's where these like these voices of, oh, my metabolism is broken. I've got a low metabolism. It's my age. It's my genetic. None of those things are a factor but your choice is a greater factor, right? And it's almost always, like I said earlier, tied to an intake thing more than anything else. How much does water weight affect things? You hear people talk about, you know, you need your eight glasses of water or too much salt, you're going to retain water weight. And then again, going back to the mentality of not seeing the needle move, You know, you get on the scale every day and maybe you are losing weight, but maybe you are holding water. Is that, is that a thing? Oh yeah. Huge thing. Right. So huge thing in the sense of 
if if your if your intake like if you can confirm your intake is accurate and you are in a deficit and the weight is not moving it is almost always tied to water retention now what becomes really complicated is all the variables that can cause the water retention right and that could be everything from you haven't pooped in five days to you had some really salty food yesterday evening to you flew in an airplane the day before you had traveled the day before you had a really intense exercise or workout the day before your overall exercise um plan has changed which will induce inflammation in the muscles which will also draw water in if you have a if you you know if you're really training a lot and really sleeping crappy and in a deficit those will all drive your stress hormones high and the stress hormones will cause you to retain a substantial amount of fluid so you jump on the scale and it's like not moving not moving not moving not moving <laughs> and it will you know what what's actually happening is you are in a deficit the body fat is moving but it's masked by that fluid retention because of these variables and so you know we have a number of different things that we use besides weight to evaluate okay what's happening here and a lot of those are in our um in our weekly check-ins right so our check-ins are built around your progress your nutrition your rest and recovery as well as your performance there's five or six different subheadings under each of those categories and really what i'm trying to get to is did the weight did the weight move or didn't it did your performance progress or didn't it and why and based off of all of those and me being able to look at your nutrition we're able to sort of figure out what's going on and then fix it <laughs> so how much salt is too much salt then we just did another uh we did a podcast on this too recently may have just been a couple episodes ago and that's largely going to be dependent upon your health condition meaning if you have a health condition that would warrant low sodium intakes anything above really 23 2500 milligrams is going to be up there if you're an endurance-based athlete and you're sweating a lot there probably isn't an upper limit meaning you need to eat more so it's going to be heavily dependent upon a person's overall health condition to really be able to say like how much sodium is too much sodium if you're talking about a guy or a girl who did an average amount of exercise on a day-to-day -day basis let's call it let's call it 30 minutes four to five times per week not sweating a ton no real health condition pretty good health otherwise no chronic health issues i'd say keeping it aiming for three thousand or less per day is probably fairly reasonable um you know like the eight the american heart association they would want you to go 2000 to 1800 or less that's difficult to do if you're cooking everything from scratch and not using any added salt you know so for the average american who's doing both of those you know to have them aim for something under 25 would be extremely challenging you'd have to really be intentional about not having it does it help does this help give you you know, podcast aside, does it help give you some explanation or insight behind your answer, like your your question, but maybe even more so, and I have no idea what your history or your goals are, 
but does it help give you some insight as to where you've gone wrong in the past and what would help get you towards wherever it is that you want to go? And I should preface it too by saying, I don't think you've gone wrong. Like, I don't think that you have been doing something egregiously wrong necessarily so much as you like most people have been given all this information right and you just don't know what's true or not so you're like well sounds like a dose of logic i'll give that a try that sounds logical i'll give that a try that sounds fairly logical i'll give that a try does this help put some explanation as to why i've always portrayed it as you know quote so easy definitely um actually the other question i was about to ask you was geared around that of what is true and it basically sounds like, you know, everything out there is to a degree true. You know, if you fast, well, you're all, again, you're taking in X number of calories. And if you expend more then you're going to be that like beneficial. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes it, that's what makes these things so difficult is there is always some believability to it right like the, no nobody's ever walking around and saying something just completely outlandish and people are like oh yeah sign me up for that that's gotta work everything that someone says is like oh that kind of makes sense and you know most of the time there's usually someone um with a credential that is supporting it so you're like well it looks looks like it's you know justified or whatever it looks like it could be actually looks like it's valid because we've got this person with a credential that's recognized as saying it's valid so i don't have any reason not to believe it but to your point to your credit yes everything's going to everything out there is going to be true but the reason it's true is because there is a deficit and the phrase that we use all the time is complexity kills compliance so just creating a deficit, if it was that easy, everyone would be at the weight they wanted to be at. What makes it hard is most of these fads create the deficit in a very unsustainable way for most people, right? All of the rules for most people are extremely challenging to do time and time and time again, year in and year out. And so that's where, you know, like with my messaging, it's, there's nothing good. There's nothing bad. It's always the dose that makes the poison. If you get off of work and you get home and your wife has made mac and cheese and pizza or pizza rolls, it's really nice to know that, yeah, less than ideal, but it's really nice to know that's not going to derail all the work that you've done in six months, right? Like you can eat that, be below your target. And then the next day is a new day. I'm not saying create a diet out of pizza rolls and mac and cheese, but it's really nice to know that if you get home on a Thursday at six, because you had to deal with some sort of catastrophe at, at work, that if that's what's on the table, you're not now having to devote an hour boiling your chicken, cooking your white rice, steaming your broccoli, and doing all of this other stuff to quote unquote, stay on the diet. Right. And that's, that's what makes it incredibly doable is people like people will often say like, I just feel normal again. Like I can, you know, it just feels nice to be able to eat with my family. And that's one of the one, number one questions that I'll get asked on the phone is like, okay, well, what am I going to need to buy something special? Am I going to need to eat separate foods for my family? And the answer is no, 
In fact, I'd love for you to just, whatever your wife makes every night, to eat that. Or whatever you make every night for the family, to eat that. What is a healthy rate to lose weight at? So I'm guessing someone larger can lose faster versus a small person who it may be more detrimental, but on average, what would you say? I don't know, pounds per week. Is that a fair way to view it? Yeah. And you're right in saying that a person with more body weight to lose can safely lose larger amounts each week than a person who's got very little. The, you know, the average quote unquote safe estimate to give a person is between one and two pounds per week on a trend, meaning there might be weeks where nothing happens. doesn't mean you're off. If that average on a week over week basis from the point that you start to where you end is coming off about one to two pounds per week, you're in the sweet spot. And that sweet spot is set because anything more aggressive than two leads to everything we talked about earlier, higher rate of weight, uh, yeah, higher weight of weight rebounding higher rate of potential muscle loss. Cause you got to remember when you get on the scale, if you're in a huge deficit, it's not like you're just picking to lose body fat. Big deficits mean there's probably some muscle loss accompanying what's coming off on the weight. So you want it to be pretty low and slow. Anything less than a pound just takes forever, <laughs> right? And people are intrinsically motivated by seeing progress. So if you get a person who weighs themselves and they're seeing a week over week average of 0.10 pounds and they would like to lose 50 pounds over or, you know, a, a, a reasonable amount of uh, time, then yeah, they're going to be pretty discouraged and want to quit. But you know, that's, that's why we generally say a good trend to monitor is somewhere between one to two pounds per week over time as an average. Well, thank you. Explains a lot and really brings home that it is simple and doable. Just overall, what's different about it than messages you've heard in the past? Or do you feel like this would be more doable than something you've tried in the past? I think so. It, it feels more doable uh, with a greater understanding of how it's simple. Again, um, have like analysis paralysis where I've you see all sorts of videos online or little clips on Instagram where it's like, oh, are you this body type? Then you need to do this. Or again, like fasting works, fasting doesn't work. Do a juice cleanse, like all the different fads or things that are out there, you know, people contradicting everybody else. I know you're the gummy bear thing that you always promote cracks me up because you watch a video and it's like, stop the sugar. You eat sugar, you're going to explode. It's the internet. And if Someone says one thing, you're guaranteed to find the opposite. So difficult to analyze from your average person to be like, what is actually true? Yeah, my, you know, like my greatest recommendation is be to try it. Like if you, if you are skeptical and you have literally tried everything else, you have nothing else to lose by doing that, eating everything that you enjoy, making sure you account for it, being in a deficit, right? And if it, I don't, it will work. I don't even have to say like, well, if it works, if it doesn't work, then you can quit it. It will work if the, if the accounting system is in place, it's a matter of whether or not you like it. Right. That that's the big question mark. And that's really the big question mark with all of this is you have to find something that does not drive you nuts. If it drives you nuts, you will very, there's a high probability you won't do it. 
forever. And like you could even take tracking and measuring. That's exactly why we transition out of tracking and measuring in maintenance, right? So we spent, you know, there's three different phases. There's the audit phase, goal phase, and maintenance phase. We spend a large majority of the time in the goal phase having a person track because if the numbers line up, there is no hiccup that will come that we can't get around. We will be able to get to the goal. I would guarantee it. But nobody, very few people, maybe the exception would be an engineer, <laughs> likes tracking and measuring forever. So in the maintenance phase, we talk about how to transition out of tracking. So now you are at your goal. You are at a higher calorie intake, which makes long-term management easier from that standpoint. And you don't have to track and measure. You've got ways, because you spent time doing it in the goal phase, that you can keep yourself accountable. And it's not so much about, is that 1.22345 cups of rice? It's, it's more about, I don't know if it's 1.2 blah, 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 but I know that it's more than two. So I need to take a spoonful less, or I need to add a spoonful because I've been trying to run more or whatever, right? Like the, the goal of tracking and measuring is to help us learn about nutrition, to teach us about nutrition as well as to seamlessly reach a goal and then we transition away from it. So, you know, all of that to say that really whatever you decide to do, it can't drive you crazy and it can't be complicated because it will kill your compliance no matter how motivated you are in the beginning. So are there any tricks to tracking and measuring or is it just learn from the beginning, like painstakingly take your plate, put it on a scale, add stuff until you see. Again, just like the calorie estimates, there's, extremely accurate there's the middle row and then there's general if you've got if, the, if you've got a lot of space between where you are at and where you want to be in terms of your weight you can get by with the general if you do not then you you probably do need to be closer to the specific so yeah specific would be things like food scales and some of that agonizingly you know boring type of stuff the middle ground would be using things like measuring cups tablespoons etc and then the more general approach would be either eyeballing it or using your hand as a standard portion right like so everybody's uh, by this point heard palm of your hand for meat and you know a fist for potato or rice or whatever all right, so you've got all of these different measurements that you could use for your hand as a standard for for estimating your portions and then entering that into a tracker. But it, it, yeah, my so this isn't in my observation. What I was going to say, my observation is people, if they don't do that, they are dramatically underestimating how much is coming in. And then we studied this, <laughs> and we found that most people are estimating their intake by half of what's actually coming in. So for example, the actual study showed most people are estimating around 1400, the actual intakes around 2800. And we did this by, you know, we would have them estimate and then we would compare their estimates by having a professional actually sit there and measure out how much how many calories were on a plate. And so most people are underestimating by 14 or by, you know, 50%. And the way to fix that is, yeah, you, you standardize your, your portions. And yes, that is annoying. It is tedious, but it's not to be done forever, right? But without it, if you were to line 100 people up in a room, you gave everybody measuring cups, everybody a bowl, everybody a box of cereal. And without using the measuring cups, you said, okay, pour a cup in, pour, pour one cup of cereal in. 
you would have a variety of different sizes there because most people, not everyone, but most people, they don't know what a cup looks like, right? And so you'll have some people who want to be very, very conservative and they like put two tablespoons in it. Like, I don't know, maybe that's a cup. So they're under eating, walking around hungry, and then they go to the binge, restrict, guilt, that whole cycle. Then you get other people who are like, ah, that can't be a cup. I'm going to put a few more spoonfuls in. And now you're at three, but they plug in the tracker, one cup. Like, well, I don't understand. I'm eating 1,400 a day. It's like, no, you're not. You're eating 3,200 a day by actual measurements. And I always say that, man, I sure wish that our body produced progress based on desire and effort because we would all, like everyone I have ever seen has great desire and great effort. They're all trying, but the the body keeps the score. That's a book, but it does. It keeps the score. It only knows what's coming in. And if that's higher than you need, the outcome will not come. Or if that's less than you need and you're trying to increase your performance, the outcome won't come because you're, you're under where you need to be. And that is the extremely challenging part about it is you really do benefit a ton by spending some time actually measuring portions in your tracking. You mentioned entering those numbers into a tracker for your program. Do you have a special tracker do you use or there's a lot the, the there used to be basically one tracker. Um, well, that's not true. There used to be like when, when I lost weight, there was one that was big called spark people. Um, and then people also used calorie King and they would, you know, calorie King would be the database and then they would keep their, you know, they'd track their food in a notebook. I use and suggest the free version of my fitness pal. And the reason is number one, it gives me the opportunity to go in and actually look at the data and, and to be able to help if they do have a problem, right? Like someone may be seeing great weight loss, but maybe starving all day. And it's just a matter of us changing a couple of things. And so it gives me the ability to go in there and actually look at it versus just looking at numbers. The other reason I like my, my fitness pal is it's got a pretty robust database and it's simple to use, right? So if you go in and you enter Southern fried chicken and some apps are like no entries, <laughs> but if you go in there and you enter that, it'll give you some options. I didn't have this in mind, but since it's taken me a while to get to hours to edit, I thought, man, he did this on his own volition. And, uh, you know, I, you sent me a, um, you sent me a message, like, I think it was three weeks in and you said, I'm three weeks in, I was going to wait to 30 days, but I just wanted to say, thank you so much. You really shifted something in my head. What I would be just, just be curious, like what, what changed in that conversation and practically speaking, what have you done that's translated into, you know, progress towards what your goals were? Um, yeah, first, thank you so much that taking the time to speak with me is what convinced me slash changed my mind. It was something I wanted to do. You know, I don't, didn't want to walk around 50 pounds overweight. Um, what I explained to people is after speaking with you, it was like you walked in the room and turned the light on. You know, there's, I, like I said earlier, was I saw so much information on the internet. There's always do it this way. And then the next video was don't do it that way. That way's wrong. And after talking to you, it was literally just like you walked in, turned the light on and said, this is all you have to do. And yeah, we spoke on a Friday, um, Tuesday night. I downloaded uh, my fitness pal. Wednesday I started and yeah, just 
around three pounds a week is what I'm losing. Just, I haven't changed what I'm eating. Um, not that I, I don't eat horrifically. Like I'm not sucking down candy bars every five minutes. Um, but I just cut out eating like instead of a handful of pretzels, I get out the bag of pretzels and it's a hundred calories for 15 pretzels. I count out my 15 pretzels. I tell people it's not, it's not super easy, but it's not hard. Um, I've since convinced my dad has started on my fitness pal. He's excited about it. Another hunting buddy of mine, he saw my results and was like, what is that app? Like I saw him in the morning and two hours later, he's like, what app are you using? And he's been using it. And yeah, hopefully your influence is helping spread influence to others. Well, that's uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I even feel remotely <laughs> deserving of those words, but if it helped you, that's all I really care about. And honestly, that's all the podcast is for, right. Is, is to, to hopefully serve as a platform for people who want help, but maybe feel like they don't need the in-depth information of like a full on coaching program or whatever. So I think that's awesome. And you, you, you brought up a couple of really key points is you said, it's not, it's not easy, but it's not hard. And I, I would agree. It's definitely more inconvenient to sit down, count out 15 pretzels rather than just open the bag up and go back to work. But the, there still is this, um, <clears throat> this is something we talk about quite a bit. There still is this underlying truth that you just can't circle around, which is there has to be a deficit present. You literally have to consume fewer calories. People, you know, like in, in my experience, sometimes we run into this thing where people assume eating less literally means less volume. You have, you have less food on your plate. There's actually more food on my plate now than when I was 270, but the, the calorie density of those foods, how many calories are per you know measurement of volume is a lot less. You get a lot more food when you change what you eat. But to your point, it's definitely inconvenient, but not hard. And I would say, and maybe you can speak to this too, the inconvenience gets easier with time. Like it's it's a it's almost like this. Um, what we call like a bell curve. If you think about a, a bell that you ring on one side of the bell, it's a steep curve and then it rounds off at the top and then the other side, it goes down. It's a very steep climb in terms of learning how to do it. But once you learn it, for the most part, you stay, you, you learn it, right? It just becomes more convenient. Have you experienced that or do you still feel like you're on the uphill side of that curve? I think I've experienced that for sure. The, um, like I have one cup scoops. So when my wife makes dinner, I look up what it is, get the best estimate of how many calories it is. And then I grab a scoop and I go, um, Easter Sunday, we went out and there was food there and I looked up what it was, but I didn't have a scoop. I'm not going to ask my friend's family like, Hey, can I borrow a cup? So I scooped it and I'm, I already know what a cup looks like now. So I was just like, Oh, this is a cup or a little less. Like I wanted to shy down a bit to make sure. So you know, I took a, a scoop of beans or, you know, ham. I'm like, oh, this is a few ounces of ham. Like everything is recognizable, a tablespoon, you know, and I know what a tablespoon looks like now. So it definitely has gotten easier just with more experience and practice. And it's so worth it. Like, like I said, my wife will make dinner. I don't, um, I'm not concerned with, 
you know, super changing my diet, but at the same time, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm need a little more salad tonight than I normally might have. Or, you know, Hey, this is high in calories. Like we had a bunch of birthdays that rolled up right at the, when I started this. So I knew, Hey, ice cream cake is coming for the kid. And my wife likes cheesecake. So I just, well, I'll have some with you guys, but I know that during the day I'm going to cut back. Like I had a smaller breakfast, smaller lunch, and then I had room for cheesecake. And is it the healthiest choice? No, but I still, um, I'm sharing time with my family and the same meals and not inconveniencing them either by going, Oh, I can't eat that. Yeah. It's, and that's, that is such a great and practical advice because, you know, I am certainly not advocating that by using some form of budgeting and tracking that you're, you're skipping life, like to go into that, to go into the house and say, Oh, Hey child, it's your fifth birthday. No, daddy's not having cake and pizza. I'm going to eat my shredded chicken and, and lettuce. No, absolutely not. But you like the, the way you said it is such great practical information where you're like, I, I just, I scaled back earlier in the day. I didn't like completely overhaul things. You didn't show up to Eastern. You weren't asking people, you know, Hey, can you give me the ingredient list on this so I can plug it in my fitness pal? And then I, I brought my own scale. I'm definitely not advocating that. And on the flip side of that, the, the, so the, the phrase that we always use is what gets measured gets managed. The idea of tracking and measuring and this level of detail and scrutiny is not so that it's something you commit to for the rest of your life. It's exactly as you described now, only eight weeks in or whatever it's been. Um, and again, like we didn't, we didn't say, Hey, go try this for eight weeks. Let's have you back on. It just happened that I was had other things going on. This is the first chance I've had to edit the podcast. We've stayed in touch since. And you're like, man, I, I've got, I've changed a lot. <laughs> and so like, let's, let's talk about it. So the idea is exactly like you put, because eight weeks in you've invested time measuring some things. Now you can show up to, you know, a meal with your wife out to dinner or an Easter brunch or whatever, and get a pretty accurate estimate of what you're eating. And the idea isn't so much of like, okay, this is 4.63 ounces of potatoes. It's really trying to determine, okay, is this five cups of potatoes or is it one? What does that even look like on a plate? So I always say tracking and measuring is designed to help us to A, reach a goal, B, teach us about nutrition. And part of that is that it teaches us what, what true portion sizes look like. And you'll get, there's a lot of in, in, in my world, professionally, dietitians and you know nutrition coaches or whatever, there's really two schools of thought. There's this school of thought that says, okay, you spend some time, and this is obviously where I fall, measuring, tracking, being accountable, setting up a budget, really having a good idea of what you're doing. Then there's another school of thought that says, that's way too obsessive. You're going to create, you know, problematic eating within people and you shouldn't obsess that much. You should eat as you enjoy and eat when you're hungry and when you're full. Most of those people have never experienced what it's like to to be overweight and to have no idea what it's like to not know if you're hungry or full. My second thought with that, and why I'm an advocate for the for the for the first route is there's nothing worse on the face of the planet than feeling like you're making effort and seeing nothing come out of it, right? And if you don't, it, nutrition is 100% data. That cheesecake, it, your body is not like, oh, that's cheesecake. We're putting it to the hips on this one because we know it's cheesecake. If the calories were to match some 
food that you've prepared at home, all it knows is what's coming in is, is calories. So it does provide some flexibility and freedom, but more than anything, if it's data driven, it gives you the opportunity to enjoy stuff that you love. And if you get stuck because it's data driven, we're not stuck with ambiguous ideas of like, well, maybe you should eat a little bit less or don't have the pretzels. You should have the apple. Well, the apples, the same calories as the pretzels are. So it's not going to move the weight at all. And so the, the whole tracking and the measuring thing in my mind, sure, you anyone could take it overboard, but the idea is no different than a financial budget. No one is walking around saying, hey, oh, you'd like to get out of debt? You probably shouldn't set a budget. That's so obsessive. No one says that. And, and this is no different. No one's telling you to be heavily scrutinizing your intake for the rest of your life and tracking and measuring and be the fan club for my fitness pal and to never eat cake with your kids. No one's saying that. We're saying that this is probably the most surefire way and shortest path to get the goal that you want because it is a hundred percent driven off of numbers. And if you can get the numbers to line up, the the progress is pretty much guaranteed. And you know, my hat is definitely off to you for like I you're you're not a client. You didn't I didn't I haven't talked to you about a couple of times since then you did this on your own in other words i mean you you're you saying though the light switch switched on in my head i think it's so commendable that you went and did something with that right i mean there's a lot of people who have a light switch flip on in their head and then just kind of sit on it so i'd love to hear like is there any suggestions you would have for someone because you've talked about being here before like you've made effort and then you kind of go back and made effort and kind of go back do you have any suggestions for anyone who gets an aha moment, apprehensive to start or whatever, anything that worked for you to get yourself to, to stay motivated and start going? No, I would just say start. Um, I don't know anybody who, who has lost weight and been like, Oh man, I wish I waited a month to get started. Right. I'm, I look back and I'm like, why didn't I start sooner? So just get started. That was my suggestion to other people, like for my dad, who's on it now, dad, try it for a week and don't care about trying to be under or trying to do this. Just keep track of what you're doing. See how you like the app. And he did. And he's, you know, sending me notes like, Hey, you know, if I keep on track for this, I'm going to be at this weight by this time. And he's excited about it. And um, similarly, my hunting buddy, his thing was, he was excited to hear that. I said, I haven't changed what I'm eating because that was with a restriction for him where he was like, Oh, now I got to eat this at this time and do all this stuff. Like you had told me it's calories in calories out. And I'm like, well, I just cut back on how much I'm eating. I'm eating the same things. And like I said, I'm not super healthy eater or super horrible, you know, and average American family, probably, you know, like I have a handful of chips now and then, but like you pointed out, I think the apple thing, you know, do you want to fill your stomach with a hundred calories of apple or 15 little pretzels? But I would, I would argue though, that that's why you're still doing it, you know, eight weeks later or whatever. And it is because there is so much flexibility. There is no rigidity. And, you know, like it's a, it's a, it's a truth that people get mad about, but the body does not recognize quality when it comes to weight loss. Now, 
Of course. Is there more nutrition packed in that apple than pretzels? Well, yeah. Is there more nutrition packed in a meal that you've cooked at home for your 600 calories versus one slice of cheesecake? Yeah. But you're not sitting here saying that you're eating cheesecake for every meal every single day. You're saying I had a dinner with my wife. It was a part of her birthday and I took part in it. Whereas most most like most of the US diet culture, weight loss culture, fat loss culture, even the performance nutrition culture is more geared towards things you cannot have and things you can have and if you can't abide by these rules, you're out, right? You're you're out, you're out of ketosis or your cells won't metabolize it. All of this stuff and none of it's true. None of it is true. So yes, food quality and choice can play a difference in other roles but when you look only at moving the weight the message that you're saying is is good it's like man don't be perfect commit to it for two weeks if you see nothing then you can go back to your old ways right that's the worst thing that you're you you've lost and again i i just think it's awesome and such a great message for people and it's uh, i'm kind of uh, smiling to myself in my head because like eight weeks ago, we had this podcast of, of this whole thing started when you stopped me at the hunt expo and you were like, you always act like it's so easy. I don't see it as easy. Why is it so easy? What am I missing? It was basically what you said. We had this podcast and like, now you're teaching people. (laughs) I mean, like, that's the way that it's designed to work, man. It just makes me so, so happy for you so excited for you and um and again like just the the people who know you that you're passing the message on to them uh, i mean it it changed my life 15 years ago it's changing yours and um hopefully you will continue to be an ambassador of that it's not like my message right i mean we literally had a conversation about how nutrition works this isn't kyle's seven steps to weight loss you're just describing the simplicity of it to other people. And, um, and I love that. Thank you. Genuinely. I, you should take more credit than you want to. You're being very humble and just your willingness to take time with me, you know, to some person that follows you on Instagram who stopped you at a show and said, Hey, will you spend one minute and answer this question? And yeah, changed my life and apparently changing more. So I just want to say thanks to Kent taking some time out of his day twice <laughs> to jump on here and um, to revisit the topic again. I'll, I really, I really just appreciate how you can take a message and give such practical information on a topic that can be so hard to understand and so confusing. I, I speak to a lot of people each week who are interested in Valley to Peak, and it seems like the the one message that keeps coming up there's a question on on the application that says what's been the biggest barrier to this point and it definitely seems like the universal answer to that question is i'm so confused there's so much information out there and i've got no idea what to do with it all and can really put it in some basic and practical terms and i hope that our conversation eight weeks ago uh, was also helpful where you can do the same if this podcast was helpful to you or if you've got Um, folks that you think may benefit from it please take a minute just forward it to them or jump on your app and click the button the rating button leave us a comment that type of stuff uh, helps spread the message to other folks who might need it and we would be appreciative of that as well we have uh after this week 
there will be two podcasts. It's a two-part series that we did with the director of coaching over at Uphill Athlete. One of them covers all things related to performance and altitude, which I think you will love. The second one is related to zone two training and just um, it, it extends way beyond that. And so if you are in any way, shape or form interested in training metrics and zone two training and improving your endurance and getting faster in the mountains and some really, really practical ideas on how to do that you will and i i will say this about this is the only show i'll say this about the entire year you will really want to listen to both of those so if you um if you don't subscribe subscribe so you get those and you don't have to remember to come back and then you can unsubscribe if you want but you definitely do not want to miss those two shows if you have any questions, please send them over to info at v2pnutrition.com and I would be more than glad to help you however I can. I have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here again in a couple of weeks for that two-part episode with Uphill Athlete.